This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. Done. So, you're gonna ask me questions. <laughs> it's a great intro. <laughs> Why are you turning red already? We didn't even start. Oh God, I don't know. Proper etiquette: put the mic near your mouth a little bit more. I scream when I talk. I don't think it needs to be any closer. <laughs> All right, guys, we have a podcast episode today. What we are going to do is a second edition of, did we do, it was an FAQ or Ask Me Anything? What did we, we call it? We called it AMA, Ask Me Anything. All right, Ask Me Anything number two. And what we're going to do today is answer some of the most common questions that we get in the treatment room from patients that have happened in the last couple of weeks, because we know that if our patients are asking us these questions, then you're probably wondering them yourself. So we, we always say, very rarely is there a, a question that no one else is wondering or thinking about. So we're going to talk through some of those and Hannah will ask them. And, and I'm actually going to ask Hannah some questions too. So if you guys are going to watch the on, on our, we, we have recording this right now, watch how red Hannah gets. It's oh, going to be amazing. It's not my fault. And I have no idea what he's going to ask me yet. So this should be really interesting. We'll see where this goes. But I guess we'll start with what we really think people want to know. And the first question that I've got is what is your degree in? Because what you do looks like physical therapy. So we got this question last week in the treatment room from a past patient who has we brought who we saw both of her kids and we treated her before. Um, and it wasn't a question of like, oh, my God, what do you guys do? It was more curiosity. And it actually is a really good question and it deserves a, a, an explanation. So. Our degrees, Dr. Ashton and I, we are both chiropractors. We have doctors of chiropractic. But when you come into the treatment room, a lot of people that come off the street often say, we get it most commonly, they say, what we do looks like physical therapy. And so whether that's right or wrong, it's not really important, but it's just what the perception is. And so to be clear, we are not physical therapists. However, um, the approach that we take with our patients very much involves exercise and, and rehabilitation style exercise. Um, and the reason for that, there are many, but one of the main things and one of the analogies that I draw with patients is that I often tell them we're very similar to an auto mechanic. Now, if you go to the auto mechanic and you have an engine that needs to be fixed and all they know how to do is change your tire, it's probably not going to be too good for you, mm -hmm. your car. And so I try to tell people that so long as it's within the scope of our practice that we can legally do it, we're going to do that in order to get a result. So does that mean sometimes we do um, chiropractic adjustments? Sometimes, yes. Does that mean that we do sometimes hands-on work that looks like massage or, or soft tissue therapy? Yes. Does it mean we do joint mobilizations? Yes. Um, all of that is within our scope. And basically our job is to determine what's going to be the best thing that we're going to do for somebody, what combination of that to deliver the best result for somebody. And we're going to do any and all of that. And I think that 
the main difference between us and some other chiropractors is simply that where, you know, the old saying that if everything looks like a, if you're a nail or what is it? If you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Sure. Meaning that, meaning that basically if you only have one tool in your toolbox, you're going to use that on everyone. So if all we did was chiropractic manipulation, then everything we could cure with that. But the truth is that that's not the case. It's one of the tools in our tool belt, but we have a lot of other tools that we can utilize as well. And, and, and a lot of times clinically our decision-making process involves just that is figuring out which tool would be the best for that specific patient. So Hannah, you walk in um, with a shoulder problem and let's mm -hmm. say one of your teammates from college walks in who's a swimmer with a shoulder problem. We may do the exact opposite for each of you. If we determine that, you know, your treatment needs are going to, is going to be much different than your friends. And that could be due to the, the events that you swim or the presentation that you're showing up with or your previous history of injury. Um, all those factors are, are going to come into play. And so that's why we generally, before we do like a treatment plan with somebody, a lot of people ask, you know, what treatment sessions will look like. And we always say, we're going to spend, you know, almost two hours with you before we determine that because we want to be very specific and very clear on the treatments that we are going to use. And it takes time to do that assessment. Now, if someone tells me they can figure that out in five minutes, I would probably say they're lying. And so uh, I think that that's a huge component of, uh, of what we do. It's figuring out what the best treatment option for somebody may be. Right. And I mean, from my perspective, you know, I sit in my office, but I know what's going on in the treatment room to a certain extent. I think the exercise portion, is that where you say people often think we look more like physical therapists because of that exercise portion that a lot and not everyone's people's you know treatment plans are going to be different, but the exercise people associate with that PT. But I think it's also important to note if we're, you know, people don't understand how we operate here and we want them to is that you're with them the entire time, whereas that some physical therapists, they might be doing the exercise by themselves. You're also there coaching them through the exercise, more of that movement coach term than, you know, even doctor at the time. Yeah, there's um, it's a good point. And uh, one of the things that it's important to us, not just that we give someone an exercise, but they understand how to do it. Right. Um, I always tell people exercise is very black and white. Uh, done correctly, it's very therapeutic in nature and will hopefully correct an injury. That's why they call it corrective exercise. But done improperly or the wrong exercise given, it truly is a prescription because if it's the wrong one or coached improperly, you can really hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. Take like a deadlift or something. We all hear, oh, I don't deadlift because it can hurt you. And yes, for the wrong person done incorrectly, that is 100% correct. But for the right person coached correctly, you know, that has the ability to do that, um, it could be the best thing to do for somebody. And, you know, to your point, just the nature of how this healthcare system works, we've had a lot of patients that have come to us that have gone the physical therapy route and they just were frustrated, not because the PTs were bad, they were actually really good. They just didn't have the time to spend exactly. with the patient one-on-one. -on -one. And I spoke with, um, a colleague last week who's a physical therapist who went out into her own practice and one of the things I asked her why she did that and that was essentially her answer that she was just so frustrated that she had patients she said at one point she had patients coming in the door 
and they left their appointment and she never talked to them. She didn't even know they were there. She was seeing three to four other patients at the same time, just running around like a chicken with her head cut off. And, um, you know, we, I always say it's generally not the PT's fault. It's the system's fault. Now here we've created a system that allows us to do that. Now it might not be for everyone and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the people that are looking for that one-on-one that are looking for a little bit higher level, more time spent, you know, making sure that we're not only doing the exercise with them here, that we're sending them home with a specific plan, that we're communicating with their doctor, communicating with their trainer, um, calling them during lunch today, calling patients that are currently in care to check up on them. Those are the things that just we chose here at Strive to Move to make a part of what we do. Yeah, for sure. I can say Laura and I sit in the lobby and we get our own exercise advice from you guys. So we definitely appreciate that. What's the biggest for you? The biggest. Uh, no, we were talking about this today. Yeah. Tell me. What's biggest your... exercise tip I've taken away so far? Yeah. The one that right off the top of my head. Well, there's two. There's for squatting and deadlifting, not lifting because they always say chest up. Hmm. And to me, you know, I'm thinking, all right, chest up also means my head is tilted up looking up, but keeping that in neutral with my spine. Yeah. So when I'm, you know, not that I've. I'm back squatting a lot, but when I am, I'm not looking up. I'm, my eyes can stay down. And then the other one, we can link to a video of Ashton doing his glute bridges. I was filming Ashton doing a video that's instructing how to do a glute bridge. And I'm sitting here filming it, and I'm getting ready to make fun of him because I thought he was doing it poorly because mm-hmm. he wasn't lifting his hips up as high as he could. And so I'm getting ready to pause the video and just start making fun of him because I, I think he's doing it wrong. And I was going to say that he was, you know, yeah, looked bad up. doing it. But then as he's explaining the video, he goes, and now this is why you don't lift your hips up as high as you should. And I'm sitting there like, oh, good thing I didn't start making yeah. fun of him because yeah. I would have been wrong for sure. And I, I totally thought that that's how you did a glute bridge. You just, you know, push your hips up as high as you can. And you're somebody that has experience in training, which at a much higher level than a lot of people, because you played, you know, division one sports. So you had mm-hmm. a, like I played division three sports. We didn't really even have a trainer. So right. if we didn't have to do it, whatever, um, you had a trainer and a coach. And again, it's not the bash on them. It's just there for you in that situation, their job, they had a, probably 20 something girls. They exactly. Had to get That's through. what I was going to say. Yeah. They had to get through. And their goal was at that point is to get you girls as strong as they possibly could. And, you know, they're kind of picking and choosing where to spend their time, where if someone needs to learn how to activate their glutes and do a glute bridge, we might conceivably spend 10, 15 minutes with them in the room, just teaching that to mm-hmm. that detail, because we have the time to determine that that is the thing that if we don't fix that first, all the other stuff later on is going to be a problem. And, um, and I think that's important that even people that are, you know, do have experience either with a trainer or have played college sports or, uh, have done all that. that there's always, we had a, someone here today that it was a yoga and a trainer on instructor on her own. And she said, I said, why are you here? You know, what brought you in today? And she said, she kind of said healers need healers. That's cool. And it's like, um, we all at some point need some guidance and coaching, mm-hmm. right? And so in every aspect of our life. And so even if a lot of people that think that they actually, those turned out to a lot of times be our best patients because they, they really, a lot of times are learning not only for themselves, but I guarantee some of the stuff that we work with her, she's going to take and utilize in her class, which happens all the time. We've had many yoga instructors and many trainers that do treatment with us and then take that and deploy it into what they're doing. Ashton and I are doing it. I basically, Ashton and I do training with each other 
different treatment techniques and things like that. And I basically, well, we both came to the conclusion that the way that I could teach Ashton the best was by just training him so he could feel what we're trying to make the patients feel. Mm -hmm. And so rather than just theoretically talking about it, it's like, I almost made him vomit yesterday. Yeah, actually, he he said that. He said, Justin almost made me vomit yesterday. Yeah. Those exact words. So we were we were training yesterday, <laughs> but we've been working on some of the, he has some very common things. You know, his arches aren't great and he, his glutes don't turn on the way that we want them uh -huh. to. Um, and we've been working through it with him so he can feel that so that he can transfer it to the patients who have a lot of the same stuff. It was sled pushes, wasn't it? Sled push and pull, <laughs> yes. All right. So the next question I've got here in our FAQ list is, do you crack backs? Okay. So again, this is another one that could come off as almost a condescending one. And sometimes it's joking, but be the people that do know we're chiropractors, mm -hmm. a lot of times they come in, it's like, oh, you crack backs. Like, what do you do? Do you crack my back? Um, and the answer is, first of all, like professionally, we don't call it just whacking and cracking backs. We try to, it is more specific than that chiropractic manipulation or manipulative therapy. Um, and, 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 you know, to be, to be honest with people, because sometimes I even downplay it and we, from the first semester we were in chiropractic school for basically 10 semesters, we spent a lot of time learning how to do it. Um, so like, again, I know that I kind of downplay it sometimes, but there is certainly a skill to doing it well and knowing when to do it and how to do it appropriately for people because it is manual medicine and manipulation, which is very effective. Now, I'm not just saying that the research shows that mm -hmm. it's very effective, um, but it is certainly a skill that if a chiropractor coming out of school has spent a lot of time learning and honing their skill. Um, the, the, the funny part is that when you're going through school, you have to practice on each other. So you, the people that get the worst of it are the, the chiropractic school students. Have you had some bad experiences? Yeah, actually, um, but the first time. So the thing about when you're in school that's interesting is most people, when you first learn to do it, they're they're scared and they're cautious. So they most likely are going to do it less. Like they're gonna, they call it like a thrust where you kind of have to like make an impulse right. to get the adjustment. 99% of people are more afraid, so they go lighter than they okay. should. And you have to kind of ramp yourselves up to, okay. to be effective with it. Um, but like anything, the reason why it's important, it, it's like anything else. You can't just apply it willy-nilly. Um, I came into chiropractic with a bad back, and mm -hmm. we kind of did so many reps and practicing with it that um, – you know, my back would get really, really sore going through school because they'd be twisted and turned a lot. Now, that's the thing. It's like the dose is important. It's like, and uh, you know, drinking water is good, but if you can literally drown yourself if you drink too much yeah. water. So same thing with a manipulation. It can be good and useful, but not if you do in two hours, 30 of them. Mm -hmm. That's how we learned in school. Um, but going back to the question, um, the first thing that I tell people is, if they're here coming in and they're nervous or scared about being adjusted, basically, if I think it's clinically relevant, then I'll explain it to them why. But if they're resistant or hesitant to doing it, the, the biggest thing for us here is the reason why we have a lot of different ways and avenues to go about treating someone is so that we don't have to be beholden to one thing. So if someone potentially doesn't want to do exercise and, and we have that conversation and I think I can heal them or fix them right, or help right. them without doing it, then, you know, I'll have, I'll do that with them as long as they're clear, just like manipulation, probably 10 to 25% of our patients actually, um, you know, receive that 
type of treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's always a conversation. And and I think the biggest thing with people is that a lot of times they're nervous coming in that it's going to be forced upon them and that that won't happen. I'm a big believer that people get better when they're on board and they understand what you're doing and that what we're doing and how we're doing it, that when they understand the process. So if they're hesitant or resistant and we can't get past that, then I'll try to find another way to make it happen. Um, and, and very rarely does it come to a point where I'd be like, no, you have to do this in order to get a result. I don't think it's actually ever happened. But I feel like we have the other side of the spectrum where people come in and they want to be adjusted. Yeah. And again, the same conversation. It's not just like you want to get like your haircut. Like, right. That's right. not how it works. <laughs> Um, so there are people that have come in that want to be adjusted and I'm like, listen, I can do, I could technically do that, but clinically I don't think it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. And again, I have to be able to, um, be okay. A lot of times we teach here, like, are you okay with the worst possible outcome? And in the case of saying no to someone, cause I don't think it's clinically relevant, I'm okay with them being upset yeah. and potentially not even continuing their plan. Cause I know medically it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other answer of like just adjusting their back because they think I'm not okay with the worst possible outcome, which might be, I could have hurt them more. Right. So I, it's a it's a good point, but it isn't something that can that should be applied just you know like I said willy nilly just yeah randomly doing things, and there's a lot of things in medicine that we take for granted that are very very similar. One of the things is stretching. Yeah, you know, definitely. Everyone's like, oh, I should stretch more, and it's like whatever. I'll just no, we talk about it all the time, all the time, and it's and for the wrong person, you know, doing stretching or stretching the wrong joints or overstretching can really screw somebody up or at least help at least aid in the process of not getting better. If that I, makes sense. I talked about that in our, our, we go to a networking group for the audience every Wednesday and I got up and I told a story about a patient who came in, uh, kind of was relating to one of our Instagram videos. So if you don't follow us on social media, do that too. But it was a, uh, stretching in the shower for sciatica pain and why that makes your pain worse at the end of the day. And it's funny because we do have, you know, somebody that we're treating from that group and as I'm explaining my story, which had nothing to do with that certain person, he literally raised his hand and was like, it's true, that's me, that's me. And I was like, wow, I literally didn't 100% realize it was you, but it's a thing. I mean, that like I've learned from you know you guys that stretching can can hurt you. The What I joke with the patients about is if stretching were always the answer, I wouldn't have a job because mm-hmm. it's so easy to find stretches online. Like we could go on YouTube right now and like pick a, pick something, hamstring stretch hamstring stretches like five stretches for right. your hamstring on youtube that's super easy five shoulder stretches five and you could find anything right so why do people still come in because it doesn't work maybe <laughs> right we usually see the ones that it hasn't right. worked for because not everyone but a lot of people have tried like googling it or looking on youtube so um it's not that it's much and sometimes it is a bad thing but a lot of times it tells us that hey that's not the answer if it hasn't mm-hmm. worked yet it's not going to work um but for us, going back to the first question of spending the time in the assessment process to actually determine if that is a um, is a proper technique, it's it's the most important piece. And and then the other part too is a lo- another myth that a lot of people have is that people that are flexible don't have pain. And we've actually found to be quite the opposite. Where uh, when I worked at Rutgers with the gymnastics team, they were all super flexible and they were mm-hmm. all in pain. And same thing with yoga. You know, a lot of yoga instructors generally are very flexible. Right. But a lot of them have a lot of pain. 
And as it was described to me today by the instructor who was here, it's like I feel like sometimes I just kind of overstretch my muscles and I'm relying on my joints to kind of stretch. And joints shouldn't be doing long-term – you shouldn't be relying on your joints to hold you together. Mm-hmm. That's when you develop joint pain and, and things like that. It's really the muscles, the active structures around the joints that should really be doing their job. That sounds painful. It is. <laughs> it can be. All right. So the third question is, why couldn't my orthopedist help me? Okay. Another really interesting one. So uh, the patients that we get here many times, we could say, have been through the ringer. They've gone to the orthopedist. They've mm-hmm. gone to another doctor. They've gone to their primary care. They may have had an MRI. Um, and when we start working with them, sometimes you can sense a little bit of frustration that as we start to dissect and assess and really get into the nitty gritty of why they might be having a problem, they're almost like a, they're frustrated that like, why didn't the orthopedist tell me that? And as I describe it to most people is that it's not that their orthopedists don't know what they're doing. It's that that's not what they specialize in. Right. You know, Dell had knee surgery. Mm-hmm. So when we brought Dell to the surgeon with a torn ACL, that was his thing. He fixes that. If you have a torn ACL and need surgery, do not come to me because I <laughs> cannot do the surgery on it. If you have a if you have a ear infection, don't come to me because I don't know what the heck to do with that. Mm-hmm. If you go to a a orthopedist who is a surgeon by trade and that's what they do for their job and you don't have a surgical case, a lot of times they're not sure what to do. So they either have to refer you out, they have to give you medication, or they just, they can't really help you. And I think a lot of people are under the false belief that uh, their orthopedists understand a lot of the other things besides just the fact that your knee hurts, right? So if your knee hurts and you have a, a, a surgical case where you need to have a, a torn ligament fixed, like they're your people. If you have knee pain because you have 10 years of a lack of hip strength on that side and a left ankle that doesn't move very well and a core that's not strong, like that's not their thing. Yeah, definitely. And they're the best thing that they could do is refer you out to hopefully somebody like us who could figure that out. And so mm-hmm. that's when they're doing their, their job, you know, a lot of things, times that what I say is in general, the public, we, we're the ones that are have screwed it up, the chiropractors, the physical therapists, the conservative care people, because people don't trust us enough to come to us first. Right. You know, where they go to the orthopedist and expect them to have all the answers. And that's, again, that's not what they do. They spend years in residency in a surgical room. It doesn't mean that they know the best exercises or the best assessments to assess the lack of function of something else. And... And and so you might be wondering if you're out there listening, like, well, how do I know who to go to? You know, if you had an had an incident, right? So Dell was skiing, she fell, she had couldn't put pressure on her knee, and something popped. Mm-hmm. That's when you should probably go to the orthopedist in general, right? right? Because that might be something that they need to do surgery on. If you are one of those people that you know you run. And you're trying to train for a marathon and nothing really happened. You didn't fall. You didn't roll your ankle. You didn't, no one hit you with a bat. And you just start feeling like hip pain or knee pain, meaning that there was no incident, that it's just like okay. some sort of overuse injury or compensation. Or it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Just over time, it got worse. That's the time that you really want to find someone more like us that can help, right? Someone that can do an assessment to kind of peel the layers back to figure out what might be going on. And now, 
if you're in this area and you come see us, I guarantee you, if we don't think that we can help you, we're going to send you to that orthopedist if we think that it's surgical. Now, most of the patients that we see, they either don't want surgery, don't need surgery, or are sick and tired of taking medication. Mm -hmm. And so those are the people that we do the best with. You know, we had a lady yesterday, she has knee pain and she's gone through to, to a back doctor. She's gone to a knee doctor. She's gone to another physical therapist and none of them kind of did much of anything for her. And none of them think she's a surgical candidate, but none of them could really help. So now she's on pain meds. It's called Meloxicam. And she doesn't want to take, she stopped taking it. She doesn't want to take it. Yeah. So now what? So now she's at our office because a friend referred her who got really good results. And, you know, our process now has to go through and figure out she has a problem in her knee. Is it a knee problem? Is it a foot problem? Is it a back problem? Is it a hip problem? Like, where is this coming from? Right. And the first step for us is, if nothing else, is to just try to rule things in or out. Because she comes in with just, she's just not sure. Yeah, You know, what definitely. the hell is going on? Is it, is it a, do I have a problem that needs to be taken care of? What should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing? How do I go about making sure that this doesn't become a long-term issue for myself? So, I guess the, point i don't even remember what the question was it was about the why the orthopedist can't help but i mean what i'll say is i think you know my biggest takeaway from what you just said is how do you know who to look for and there's you know incident versus non-incident i think that seems like to me as the you know non-medical provider like that would stick the most like yeah if you're case a like something you can pinpoint where the pain is coming or what happened like that to me would make sense and then case b just over time, the wear and tear, the overuse, that's when you look for that conservative care. To me, that was, you know, that was the answer. I hesitate to say this, but most orthopedic issues are not emergent. Like, it's not like if I don't get surgery tomorrow, I'm going to have a problem. That being said, I hope that, you know, as our practice grows, that we really develop a reputation of doing the right things for people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know you may have asked, I know Ashton's asked in the past, like, well, what if we can't help them? And I said, like, if we're doing the right thing for somebody, we are always going to help them. That might not mean we treat them. Yep. That might helping them might be getting them to the right person. Like the patient with the neck problem who came in that we had to send out to the neurosurgeon. Mm -hmm. Now he's staring at surgery. Yeah. And again, we don't like that outcome, but he was someone who we sent out specifically because it's like, listen, maybe we can help you, but I don't, I'm not sure. And I'm not going to be okay with letting you do treatment with us based on the symptoms that you have, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as he's gone through his process of getting two or three opinions from a neurosurgeon, getting the right MRIs, um, they want to do surgery on his neck. So I hope that over time we are the people that people can come in to see that we can determine if in fact we are someone that can help or if we're not. And, and that a lot of times comes down to trust, that they can trust that if I go to strive to move that they are going to do what's in the best interest of me. Exactly, for and, sure. And at the end of the day, that's that's like it, it, going to bed at night. If we can achieve that, that's like the main goal. It's just getting into that place where people trust us enough. Hey, what do you think? Should I? Can you help me or should I go somewhere else? And that they're going to trust us enough to, to give them the right answer. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, all right. I have some questions for you. All right, here we go. When you, when you applied to this job, did you even know that we were chiropractors? No, I didn't. What did, what did you, what did you think we were or what? I'm trying to remember because, so I was finishing grad school on, 
my boyfriend found the job posting, which I've said before. It's funny. Shout out. To yes, Christian. shout out to Christian. Thank you. But um, I said if sports... it goes so if it goes well, shout out to Christian. If it goes poorly, you can blame Christian. <laughs> well, how long have I been here now? It's been a decent amount of time. So hopefully six seven months, and you haven't quit yet. Well, that's good. <laughs> Um, but I remember the point being is I was in grad school and you know everyone's applying for jobs and the job I was applying for I was like well it's sports medicine and I think I legitimately may have told people it was physical therapy and that was just not knowing but I I, I knew the sports medicine angle um, and obviously you know when you are applying for a job you do your research you know chiropractic school so I think my ultimate like what I assumed was sports medicine with the chiropractor and physical therapy mixed in there somewhere that was like what I took away but i i described a sports medicine when you talk to people now about where you work what do you tell them tell them we are a chiropractic based sports medicine practice and we help people get back to doing what they love pain-free um and then i wait for the next question and well what does that mean and then that's when you go into and then what tell me what happens then um usually it, like you know the goal is to make it into a conversation so if somebody's asking they may have an issue well have you ever seen a chiropractor before and then you know yes or no goes conversation a or conversation b mm-hmm. somebody has i'd like to ask what was that experience like you know everything turns into a conversation because we genuinely want to know what people's experiences are like um but at the end of the day you know i think it's all about the fact that we do treat you know yes we're chiropractors but like you said it's that's our scope isn't limited to just that. Well, just the manipulation. Yes, just the, manipula- the manipulation part. Yeah, for right, sure. Right. And someone asked me a couple of weeks ago, what do you, if someone's going to be referred to you, what do you want that referrer to say? Mm-hmm. And and the answer is, they're great. Go see them. That's it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, most people coming in here, they really don't care if we adjust them or we don't or we like or we tape them, or we rub their leg. Like, they just want to get a result. And that's what we've heard. People who have come in that were patient referrals are like, they just told me, you're the guy to go see. Like, I've just, that's it. That's... Not like, oh, yeah, they're going to adjust you, and their chiropractors, no, Justin Ashton, they're the guys. Like, they'll get you, they'll fix you, you'll be out of pain. Like, that's that's what people want at the end of the day. They don't really care how they get there. Yeah. Unless, you know, to a certain extent, I should say. Yeah, and, and that's what we want. We want, and we know that what we're doing is working when we get that. Like mm-hmm. they just said, the call. I sometimes like, I don't even know what I'm calling. My friend just told me, like, you can help. <laughs> and that's okay. Like, okay, we'll figure out, right. you know, the, the details of it all. Yeah. Um, because that becomes the most important piece. And, and at the end of the day, um, everything that we do with people is so that they can get the results that they're looking for, whether it's, how you know we communicate with them in the room or how what we send them home with like our our job is to deliver the result which is also why it's so important that we're very clear on what the person's looking for Mm -hmm. Um, because if someone's looking for as it was explained to me if someone wants a a nokia and we're selling iphones it's probably not going to (laughs) work And so it's important that we understand that, right? Because right. we've had people that have come in that are just looking for an adjustment. Yeah, or an x-ray. Or an x-ray, exactly, an x-ray or an adjustment. You know, somebody and, asked me if we did x-rays the other day. Yeah, and exactly. I can't remember where or what it was. Yeah, but. and the reason for that, and then we had a guy come in once that saw an ad that was like basically saying the other guy he went to didn't do an x-ray, 
So it was basically bogus, like because the, the guy didn't do an X-ray, and and actually clinically, what we know is it's the opposite. That right. X-rays are good if you need them, but clinically, like not mo- most people don't actually need them. Yeah, and, and I learned the difference between an X-ray and MRI exactly. recently. <laughs> yes, well, there is a big difference between the two. Um, but if someone comes in here and demanding on an X-ray, and we're not thinking it's clinically relevant sending them for an x-ray that's something that hey listen like this might not work for you right. and, and if they don't understand or we can't explain it that's on us for not explaining it well enough um what was you were relatively healthy through your athletic career right yeah i was really really lucky i mean i was a swimmer for the audience um and swimming it's so common people got shoulder injuries um you know sometimes hip stuff Um, and I really never had a major injury. There was maybe a month, my junior year of college where I had a weird elbow thing. And that's all I could tell you about it. You know, I went to the trainer. Um, but to this, that's, that's the extent of what I know happened. I mean, I'm assuming it was some kind of overuse thing, but that month I just was kicking. I wasn't really doing much swimming, but I actually didn't miss a meet. Um, but yeah, I was, I was good. And I'm, I'm lucky because I know so many people who have had shoulder shoulder surgeries, you know. What do you, when you were in college, the, if the girls were injured, they would go to the trainer, they would go to PT, they go to yeah, chiropractor. They, we, we did have a chiropractor that um would come to, I went to the University of Richmond, they would come to the training, uh, training room every once in a while. I can't mm-hmm. remember. I actually never saw the chiropractor that came, but um, it was our trainers that they would usually work with um i can't remember if we had a physical therapist on staff i'm sure we did i mean those were all you know sports medicine trainers Mm -hmm. so and i mean the the injuries that or the injury that i had that little thing i you know i had the the stim machine and that kind of stuff but i did some exercises but it was my trainer that was bringing me through that okay all right now a really serious question your favorite food is cheese you get to pick one (laughs) Well, like cheese is so yeah. I'll go with cheese because that can mean so many things. So if you had to pick one cheese dish, what would it be? Um, it's gotta depend on the mood, but no, there's buffalo no. chicken dip, buffalo. which isn't really cheese, I guess. It's not even an answer. <laughs> All right, take mozzarella two. sticks. Thought that's what you were gonna say. Regular <laughs> mozzarella sticks. What's a non-regular? Mm, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> do you dip it in marinara? Or no? Yes, a hundred percent. Needs the dip. Got it. Um, have you ever tried to make them on your own? I haven't. I've thought about it, but hmm. I haven't ventured into that yet. Um, if you could eat only one dessert the rest of your life, what would it be? Something with apples. But <laughs> <laughs> also, it doesn't count. As I'm saying. If the audience didn't know. If you haven't heard. Officially, um, fruit is not allowed to be included in your favorite dessert. That's the rule here <laughs> that I've made myself. Um... I mean, I'd say I'm not really a dessert. Like, I don't freak out about dessert.